Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Verse, we'll read down through verse 20. <clears throat> As a, a bit of background, this is this letter to the Philippians is written from a Roman jail. Paul was in prison at the time that he wrote the letter, and so that will flavor some of what he says in it, and it will help us to understand somewhat where Paul is coming from by knowing that he is actually in prison at the time the letter is written. And so it's to a group of Christian people in the city of uh, Philippi. In verse 10 of chapter 4, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am, and, um, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessities, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full and have received of Ephroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing unto God. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, I don't know if you still know who Ephroditus is or not. We read his name. And that's about the extent of our knowledge. And I'm going to make reference to him this evening to prove the point that it's the little things in life that count. And that's the subject tonight. It's the little things of life that really count. Ephroditus is a basically unknown individual, but he did some little thing that meant so very, very much to Paul during the time that he was imprisoned. And his effort was well thought of and appreciated by Paul. In verse 10, He tells the Philippians that he is in gratitude. He greatly appreciates 
that they have done their care for him. That once again, they have come to the forefront, they have flourished, as he says, they have been careful to see that Paul's needs were taken care of. They had done it one other time when he had left to go into Macedonia. And now what is happening is that the church at Philippi has sent Ephroditus, one of their members from Philippi to Rome with an offering, with some clothing, perhaps with some food, and certainly with prayers and concern and care to see to it that Paul is taken care of in his time of need. And it's these little things that they did that Paul expresses his appreciation for so very much. And he writes them this letter of appreciation. And he is thanking them for what they have done in those little things that they have put together to send to him. Now in verse 11, he points out, however, that he is not thanking them because he is in such great need. That's not his point in thanking him or them. He is thanking them because they thought enough to do it. He said that he had learned over the years, in whatever situation he found himself, to be content with it. Now most of us have not achieved that particular position in life. We have not learned to be content with whatever we have. When we are poor, we're not content until we have worked ourselves out of poverty. When we have a job, we're not content until we have achieved uh, perhaps a new automobile or a new home. Uh, when we achieve that, we're not content until we have something else to show for it. And then we're not content until we can retire so that we can enjoy it all. And then we're not content for, you know, on and on it goes. We never come seemingly to a point when we can say that we are content with whatever our state. Paul had been a wealthy man at one time, and he'd lost his wealth, and he went into the pastorate not to become wealthy, quite obviously, and during his ministry, he had found himself in absolute poverty. Verse 12 says that he knows how to be abased. The word abased means to be in absolute poverty. He said, and I also know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He had experienced it all. And there was nothing in him that was saying to the Philippian church, please send me an offering. He didn't get on the radio and beg for funds for his ministry. And I think maybe you know where I'm coming from here. As far as I'm concerned, any ministry that must beg for funds to keep itself functioning outside the church organization itself is somewhere falling short because uh, there is no need to beg for money. If God is going to cause the ministry to flourish, it will. 
And Paul would not have been one of those guys that would have spent one minute had he had a television ministry asking the people that was listening to send in contributions. He would have taken whatever came and would have made use of it in order to spread the gospel. And if he would have to go out onto the street corners without all of the bands and without the jet airplanes and without the fanfare, as we see so much in today's world, he would have done it because his object was to preach Christ and him crucified, and it made no difference what kind of circumstances he would find himself in. And even though he were in jail, there he would preach Christ without so much regard to, to all of those things. So if he were hungry, he would still preach. If he were in prison, he would still preach. And that's the way he was. And so he says to the Philippian, uh, I am not thanking you because I have need. Because I've learned whatever state I am to be content. But he did appreciate the little things that the people did. There's a story told by a Russian author whose name I can't pronounce, so I'll avoid making an error. Who told the story of a man by the name of Dmitri who had been sentenced by a Russian court to life imprisonment in Siberia. And as he waited for his leaving, to banishment, in his weariness, he lay on a bench and went to sleep. And when he awoke from his sleep on that hard wooden bench, he discovered that there was a pillow under his head. For during his sleep, someone had thought enough to raise his head gently and insert a pillow under it. And Dmitri made this response to this little kindness. He said, now I know that God's name is still alive and I will go to Siberia and there I will proclaim his name. Why? Because he saw in the action of some stranger who did not make himself known a kindness that meant so very much to him. I think you and I can all relate to the, uh, and make response to the little things of life that mean so much. The smile, the tender touch, the telephone call, the bowl of soup during time of illness, and on and on we can go with the little things that, that mean so very much. Which says, I care. And that's the attitude that Christian people need to express to each other and to the stranger. And that is to say, hey, we are not doing much, but we just want you to know we care. That little thought will be remembered. Think in the mementos that you have around your home. Little, the little things that are precious to you. The keepsakes that you have in the dresser drawer or you proudly display on the mantel. And when somebody comments, 
you have a story behind it, and it's usually some little thing that took place that meant so very, very much to you. Little deeds are the things that hold this world together because it expresses an attitude. An attitude that says, I care. Many people take the position, I'm really not worth much. I can't do very much. I have had many, many people say to me, I can't preach. I can't teach a Sunday school class. I can't play the piano or the organ. I can't sing a solo. And I suspect that's true. But you know what really makes this world tick? It's not the great men and women of the world. It's the little people. Really, the President of the United States is not as great a man as we oftentimes think him to be. He is placed in that position of elevation by people behind the scenes who do the unsung. Do you think that he writes his speeches? No. He doesn't write his speeches. He has speech writers. You know any of their names? Never saw one of them. Never heard his name mentioned in my life. But there are people whose job it is to elevate somebody else and make them look good or act good. Who are the people who are the unsung heroes of this world but those who cook the meals and bust the tables, those who repair the cars and wash the clothes, those who fix the flats and make things clean, those who take time to care and do the little things whose names are never mentioned, those people who wash the windows and vacuum the floors, straighten up the sanctuary, carry out the trash, do all the little things that make life meaningful and worthwhile. They're the great people of the world. And if we are wise like Paul, we will recognize those little tidbits of interest and concern and help. And when we have opportunity, say like Paul, I'm not saying this because I have need. I'm saying it because you took the time and the opportunity to share. That's what makes life important. Little deeds give meaning to existence. Jesus gave us a parable called the parable of the talents in the 26th chapter of Matthew in which he tells us that a master who had servants was going to make a trip so he called three of his servants to him and said that he was going to go away and he was going to give them certain sums of money called talents in the book of Matthew. To one he gave five talents, to one he gave two talents, and to one he gave one talent. And he said to those, I want you to take this which I have given you and use it so that when I come again I may receive that which is mine. The one who had the five talents used it well, and the one who had two talents used it well. And the one who had one talent was so afraid that 
he or she might lose that one little bit of money that he hid it in the ground and did not use it at all. And when the Lord came back and asked for an accounting, he was very upset and angry with the individual who would not use even that one little talent that he had been given. Had that one talent person used his ability for the glory of God, he would receive blessings from God in proportion as did the two-talent and the five-talent person. It's not the amount that we have that counts. It's the fact that we're willing to put what we have into God's service. How large or how small it might be. I'll never forget a lesson I was taught well as a young preacher. In the middle of the night, I was called and by a lady whose name was Effie. In her late 60s, I believe. And she said, I need your help. I'm at Dr. Wood's house. Well, Dr. Wood was an 80-plus-year-old retired medical doctor who was a member of our church, been the founder of it, as a matter of fact. She had gone to check on him and found him gravely ill, who had lost all control of his body functions, was in a devastating shape. And I rushed over to the house to be of help. Effie was going about the task of cleaning up that old man of all of the waste of his body that he had spilled all over himself. And I could only turn up my toenails and go out and throw up. She was the angel of that day. The one who would keep her cool and do that which was necessary to be done out of love for an old man. That episode had to put stars in her crown as she cared for him as any loving person would care for anyone in need. She was just a one-talent individual. Not capable of standing behind the pulpit nor sitting in the choir. Never heard her utter an audible prayer but her one talent was put to God's glory in doing that which she was well capable of doing and was glad to do and put to shame myself and others that might have been considered more talented in other areas. Little deeds make existence worthwhile. They say who we are the scripture tells us that those of us who are faithful in little things will be given responsibility for much. And one of the shocking things I think that we'll discover when we get to heaven is that those who have the great mansions were the one talent people of this earth. Those who didn't have much here but took that which they had been given and used it for the glory of God as they served other people. 
who are the great of this world? I submit to you, the great of this world are the little people who are not afraid nor ashamed to serve in their little part of society. In Riverside, Rhode Island, lives a man by the name of Kenneth Lunsbury. Kenneth Lunsbury was a college student who found it necessary to walk across a portion of the university in Rhode Island on his way to class and found it disgusting that all along this beautiful lawn were the beer cans and candy wrappers and trash, the residue that everybody had discarded. And he said, for a long time, I said, somebody ought to do something about this. As he walked across that path and looked at all the debris, somebody ought to do something about this. How many times have I said that, and I suspect you as well, as we walk through the trashes of life, the discards that people have thrown, not only a physical trash, but but other things as well, when we discard even our own families and our own friends, and they are the casualties of life, and, and we walk down the streets, and we talk about abortion and child abuse and all the other things that we face in this world, and we simply say, somebody ought to do something about that. And finally, Kenneth Lonsbury said, well, I believe I can do something about this. And so every day on his way to class, he would take time to pick up a few cans, a few paper wrappers, and he said he would put them in his automobile and take them home and discard them. Until finally he began to see that he was making progress. And his path that he traveled was suddenly becoming free of debris. For his taking care of his little part influenced somebody else to do the same and somebody else to do the same. And the first thing they discovered was that campus was beautiful again because somebody cared to be the little person and bend over and pick up somebody else's trash. I think that's the great individuals, the Kenneth Lonsberrys and the Effies and the Demetrius, who see that there is something about taking care of our little space. I can't solve world problems. The world peace will not come because of my preaching. But there is a little place in my world that I have influence where perhaps I can exert just enough influence to bring a smithering of peace to some little section. I can't clean up the hillsides and the roadsides of, of um, Boone County or West Virginia. But I do have a path that I travel and you have one that you travel. And it's not... A beneath me or perhaps beneath you but what we can stop and take care of our little portion that person who is filthy and ugly and revolting and wants to make me throw up 
is important in God's kingdom. And I must do my little part and you do your little part to bring about the glory of God in our little section of the world. Whoever it might be or whatever that might be. In the book of Acts of the ninth chapter, we're given the story of a woman of the name of Dorcas who died. And the people called Peter wanted him to come. And as he finally got to the town, the people of that town began to come out and show Peter, said, look, this is what she made for me. She made me this shirt, these pair of pants, this scarf. She did these little things for me. That woman by the name of Dorcas was remembered for the little deeds that she had performed, not for any great sermon she'd preached or any great office that she had held. The Lord takes delight in little things. He said, remember the lilies of the field. They don't sow, and yet the Lord takes care of them. He talked about the birds in heaven and said, not even one sparrow falls from heaven, but what the Lord is keenly aware of it. And yet we see the birds fly by and we see the flowers around us and and think so little about us, about those things. We might think, well, what value is there for Ephroditus to go to Rome and just take a few things to, to help Paul out? I can tell you one thing. When Paul saw the care that was in the person Ephroditus, the concern, the desire that was in his heart and the heart of the church from which he came, it gladdened the heart of Paul. And this deed gave meaning to Paul's life. And he called it a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. I wonder how many little things we do that go up to God as a fragrant offering, as a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. Maybe we don't know who Aphroditus was, but God knows him. God knows him as one of the little people of the world who took time out of his busy schedule to make a trip to a prison and take a word of encouragement, perhaps a little food, and maybe a few coins to say to Paul, it's not much, but we care. Who are the great people in heaven? And what are the qualifications for them? Will we find God's schedule of calling for great people as the bank presidents or maybe the first woman senator or some great preacher or an author of a number of books. No, I think what we'll find on the record in heaven are not those great issues that make somebody great in the kingdom of heaven, but it will be a list of those little things, such as caring for someone else's child when she's sick, maybe mowing a lawn, when a person has been hospitalized, maybe the bouquet of flowers that we sent just to say we care, 
You see, it's small stones that build great cathedrals where God is worshipped. And it's the little things in our life that send up sweet-smelling savors to the throne of God that He will remember. And then the day will come when He's going to say unto us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You were faithful over little things. Now I'll make you ruler over big things. How do we fit into the little things of life that mean so much to each of us? Shall we not be willing to swallow our pride and bend our knee and clean up and help in our little section of the world to those who would appreciate it like Paul in prison? Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.